Welcome, everyone, to Mecta Radio. I'm your host, John Tanner, and today we are via Zoom talking with Michael Parks from Brazos Valley Fiber Optic Network. This is a rural healthcare fiber optic network serving the Brazos Valley in Texas. Michael Parks is the executive director of the Brazos Valley Council of Governments, and he's going to give us an update on how the network is doing and how they managed to complete this project and the things that they learned along the way. So welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me, John. Happy to be here. Great. It's uh, It's been a while since we talked about the Brazos Valley Project. So can you just give us a quick summary of what is uh, what the project is and its purpose? Absolutely. Um, you know, we've been trying to crack the nut of rural broadband here in the Brazos Valley for quite some time. Uh, back when we had a little twinkle in our eye in 2008, um, we decided that we needed more in our rural communities and specifically with healthcare. Uh, we were looking around and, and a lot of what we do here at the Council of Governments is, is centered on public health. And uh, we, we actually attempted to put telemetry devices in some of our rural markets, but uh, you just can't run them on uh, a T1 line. You have to have more than that. So it became pretty obvious we needed we needed to beef up our rural broadband. And so from that point, we embarked on a journey to figure out how can we bring rural broadband to the portions of our, our, our region here in Central Texas uh, that we serve. And so through many, many years of trial and error, we finally uh, found the Rural Healthcare Connect Fund through, through USAC, uh, Universal Services Administrative Corporation. And uh, we were successful partnering with Texas A&M University to create an architecture that, that we felt had merit, and so did they. And so they awarded us funding back in 2016, I believe, uh, to build this network after we'd gone through public uh, procurement and competitive bidding and all of that. Uh, it was determined that, that it wasn't a single contractor or network available to do what we were trying to do. So we got the green light to build one. And so over the time of uh, 2016 all the way to uh, 2019, we were building. Now, in that time, I think it's important to note. Nobody could have predicted a, a hurricane hit Houston, which is just to the south of us, uh, that delayed us for almost a year. Um, we were having trouble then finding uh, finding uh, materials because a lot of it was going to the Texas Gulf Coast to rebuild. And so our construction really bogged down our ability to, 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 to get the, the, the fiber in the ground. And oh, by the way, it's all underground. All of our stuff's under, underground. And uh, so we've, we've had some challenges. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's nobody a, knew that, you know, John, nobody knew that it would take, you know, over a year for a couple of our permits to get approved. Right, um, right. You know, we originally thought we would have this done in a year. How naive were we? Right. <laughs> I will talk about that a little bit later as well, because I'd like to know more about it. But tell us about your, your current status. Uh, how many connections on your network and what are some of the activities happening? Yeah, so so I, I tell people we have mission accomplished. After all this time, mission accomplished. We have um, over 15 rural clinics connected to our network. Uh, these are public nonprofit clinics. But then we also have uh, some some other clinics, some private clinics that are connected as well. Uh, we've been we've been very fortunate to provide uh, through our excess capacity uh, connections to uh, schools and to city and county governments. Um, in some instances, it is the only connection in, in some of our more rural communities. 
So we're very proud that we've been able to, to, uh, to provide that service to our rural, our rural communities. Michael, can you tell me about uh, the uh, connection that you folks had, that you folks made, and it was part of a 60 Minutes program? Yeah, that was one that was was kind of surprising us. We didn't realize it, it was coming our direction, but um, there's a small community called Bedeyes, Texas. It's about two, maybe 300 people here in Central Texas, and there's a, a clinic there um, that there's uh, they provide services, obviously medical services, to folks in that in that community and the countryside. Um, they had been trying to do some telemedicine for some more of the complex cases, and they were partnering with some of the nursing schools and and things, and really trying to bring high quality medical care to that to that small community. But they they just couldn't do it. The internet that they were using was just not not good enough. I think it was maybe a DSL service that they had at most um, there. But our fiber ran smack dab 20 feet from their door as we were going through the countryside oh, on our way somewhere else. And so it became pretty obvious that, that you know, we were in a position to help. And so, um, you know, over the course of time, we were able to connect them and uh, give them service. Um, and And so... Yeah, I, we feel pretty proud about that. That's exactly what we were trying to accomplish in our rural markets, was to increase the quality and level and scope of healthcare available to the to the residents there. So, yeah, we were pleased that we were we were part of that solution. Well, you know, and I know that it did, as you mentioned, it took a few years to complete the phases of the project, and a lot of things happened during that time. You mentioned the hurricane. What did you learn along the way? What is it that you know now that you wished you knew then? Well, just the construction process. You know, I, I, I work in a social service agency. We, we're here to help people. We're here to feed people, to, to provide housing, and, and now to provide broadband and internet job skill training even through that process. Um, we didn't know a lot of what it actually takes to build stuff. We found very good contractor here. Um, it's actually one of the uh, the contractors. We found the contract on MICTA. Uh, right. So MICTA, we could not have done this without MICTA. That's a free plug, but I truly believe it um, because we were at, we were granted access to contractors that that uh, we we could contain our costs and we knew what they were going in. But to answer your question, um, we have to work with all kinds of utilities, railroads, uh, state DOTs. Um, all of our fiber is in public rights of way. So we had to go through incredible permit process. That was new to us. Um, just trying to coordinate with railroads um, is very new to us. In fact, we had one permit that took over a year to get, um, you know, and, and so I think that was the biggest learning curve was, was just the, what it took to actually make this stuff happen. Well, the other thing that happened along the way was the pandemic and how did the pandemic play a role in your implementation plan? Oh my goodness, John. I, I tell you, we probably have, we could do several radio shows on this one. <laughs> um, we have, you know, before the pandemic, I think, I think it's pretty obvious. No one cared about rural broadband except us. I, I'm being facetious a little bit here, but, you know, I think it's one of those things where it just wasn't on the national spotlight. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you have a pandemic and everybody goes home and kids can't go to school. And now all of a sudden, wait a minute, wait, the internet's not working. How come the right. internet doesn't work? And yep. so now you've got 
what, what nobody was talking about, nobody, I say nobody, please forgive me, I'm being a little facetious, but you know, not a lot of people were talking about broadband and not a lot of people were funding it for rural markets. But then after COVID, oh my goodness, the floodgates opened and now everyone was wanting to deal with rural broadband. Everyone was wanting to fund it. And now we find ourselves with a, a system that we had to match for 35% of our system, we had to match. And so it's, it's taken millions for us to, to, to build our, 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 our section of this. Now, post-COVID, there's a lot of money floating around that doesn't cost as much as the money we had to spend. So um, we're having to grapple with a changing landscape. There's more rural broadband now than there once was, which is great. Don't misunderstand me. It's great. But we still have a network to run as well. And so we're, that's our new challenge is how can we survive? How can we run, operate a network when there's um, a lot more competition out there? Right, right. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, about permits. And I, I just think that that was so interesting because I didn't realize that it would be such a uh, a complicated thing. And it's so critical to complete uh, a project like this. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that permit process? Yeah, a little bit, because that's about all I know. But uh, yeah. we we were able to latch on to a construction company through MECDA that understood it backwards and forwards and inside and out. And so our, our response to permit process was to hire great contractors that understood that and could help us through that process. And they did um, because they, it was their business. This is their business to do. And so they knew all the people. They know all the people to call. They knew who to talk to, first name basis many times, uh, were familiar with the forms we had to fill out. So they really held our hand through that process. But what we learned in return was it's a legit process. You better do it right because this, this is where you're getting permission to put your network in somebody else's property. And you need to make sure that if you're putting an asset on someone else's property, that it's going to be secure and it's going to be cared for. And, you know, there's going to be processes involved where a call before you dig. You know, you've got to have all these kinds of things in order and, and a good permit will help you uh, establish those roles. Let's look into the future. One right. key factor is that the technology, you mentioned this before, uh, has changed since you began building uh, this network. And so uh, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but maybe you can elaborate a little bit more that you just had to adjust to those landscape changes. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so you know, we have always envisioned ourselves to be the middle mile. That's that's really the place we wanted to be in this project. That we wanted to um, never put ourselves in a position to compete with the private sector. Private sector is, is is way better at customer service and managing, you know, hundreds of different connections. I think than than we want to be. Could we develop that capacity? Yes, of course we could. But our role and our desire is to create jobs in our region. We want economic development to occur in our region. We want there to be access to quality, reliable, high-speed broadband so that people can work remotely and, and you know, develop an economy in some of our rural markets. And so for that reason, we had always envisioned ourselves to be middle mile. We want other companies to connect to the endpoints and then make a market to go door-to-door -door with, with broadband services. But in light of, you know, just 
trying to meet the needs of operating our own network, we have had to and have been um, glad to connect certain businesses and, and, and entities that are along the way. We have lots of rural companies, uh, lots of oil and gas in, in this state, lots of uh, agriculture in this state, manufacturing. And a lot of it is, is outside of our, our traditional urban market. So we maybe have a permit to go down a certain highway. And along that highway is a manufacturing facility, what we would say in the middle of nowhere. Well, we want to be able to service that, that, that business. And so there are a select few of, of individual connections that we have, we have accommodated um, because we want to create jobs. We want that company to flourish because it has access to high-speed broadband. And let's face it, you can get wireless in some areas, but some areas you can't. So if we are running down a highway and able to um, service a business that's in the middle of nowhere, we want to do that. Uh, fiber is still the best bet. We have wireless. It is in our region, but consistent, reliable gigabit speeds are, are attainable through our fiber. And so we've had to switch our gears. At one time, we weren't going to do any individual hookups, but that's just not practical these days. And we've realized that as we've gone down this path. So um, we are hooking up, if you will, we are connecting um, individual companies where it's appropriate. But where it's more appropriate, we'd rather let the private sector do that. Yeah. So this is a real challenge, Michael, for you to take this asset of a fiber network that you have created and built, and now you have to work it into this uh, it, this new era where there's more, there's more money in rural broadband, and you have to make it a successful operation for the future in that way. So you're having to think differently about things then, aren't you? We are. It's, it's, the, the word is we've had to pivot. <laughs> we've had to figure out yes. how we can how we can still stay within our core mission. Our core mission is healthcare and will always be healthcare. But in the in that little excess capacity piece, um, with more and more competition in the rural markets, it, it's a race to zero for, for monthly revenue because the cost of delivery out there is becoming less and less expensive. And so yet I still have electricity, utility bills to pay and all of our, our 11 uh, regeneration sites. I've got uh, uh, you know monthly expenses in in the uh, call before you dig utility locates um, that goes into paying the bills. So you know right now on this network, uh, I think I saw it the other day. We have about sixty grand a month in just regular bills. I don't mind telling you, we're public. You could ask sixty grand a month in just regular bills. Well, I got to have sixty grand a month and more. Um, to, to go forward, you know, sure. in terms of revenues. And if the revenues are constantly decreasing because of individual subscribers, because it's becoming, <laughs> this is, this is quite funny, me arguing this, that with, you know, our whole goal was to make broadband affordable in the rural markets, right? Mm -hmm, right. And to make it everywhere. And yet at the same time, to be able to do enough that you can keep the lights on, you still got to make, you know, it still has to be a sustainable project um, because it's not being subsidized um, and our intent was not to continue going back to Washington to get more operating monies. Our intent was that it would subsidize itself to be self-reliant. And so we're doing everything we can to make that happen. And that means hooking up some people uh, here and there where we didn't plan on doing that. 
So what advice would you have for any institution thinking about building a fiber network, let's say starting next year? Where, yeah. should, where should they start? What should they be thinking about and ready for right now? You know, I, I have learned that I don't have to be the expert because there's already experts out there. I just need to become real friendly with the experts that are out there. <laughs> I, need, I need to get a team together that can guide and, and produce um, in ways that I just don't have knowledge. And, and if you can assemble that kind of a team, you can, you can do well. Uh, it's, it's like the Avengers. I need to have my own Avengers because <laughs> there's constant battles out there. And I, I don't have every superpower. Yeah. Uh, but I need to get a team together that have individual superpowers that complement each other. And so um, my advice to anybody wanting to build a network is find a capable and knowledgeable and honorable construction company. Find some attorneys that understand um, USAC and the FCC. And then get associated with um, entities like VICTA. Or uh, another one, Shelby is their acronym, uh, Schools, uh, Hospitals, Libraries, Broadband. It's a, it's a coalition. And, and then just begin to assemble that team and then learn. Just absolutely learn what you can. You have already mentioned how MICTA has helped in this process for you. Can, can you elaborate a, a little bit on the points where MICTA helped you start things and get things rolling and provided you with good advice? Absolutely. Um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's those people that are around you that you, you associate with. We got around some really great experts at Texas A&M who, who knew about MICTA and, and pointed us in that direction. And once we began to learn what, what MICTA was all about, um, Gary Green was one of the guys that was instrumental in, in, in uh, helping us and giving us advice and talk, just talking to us um, through the initial phases. But what MICTA does, it, it just takes all of the, the, the work really out of finding capable vendors and contractors. And, and the ones that MICTA associates with are of national scope. So, you know, they could work anywhere. And all of that is just that, that angst of how do we do this? It's just mitigated completely because MICTA's there with the, with the right contractors, the right folks, and it's been through the federal process that qualifies it that you're not going to have any problems when you go to the feds for funding. And so um, I just, I love MICTA. I, I'm glad they're available. <laughs> well, we're proud of to be a part of the process and, and very proud of you folks for the great job that you that you're doing for those rural communities. Well, Michael, that's all the time we have for today. But if our MICTA listeners want to learn more about Brazos Valley Fiber Optic Network, how can they get a hold of you? Well, um, my email is out there, uh, mparks at bvcog.org. That's that's easy way. But look up uh, Brazos Valley Council of Governments on on uh, Google, and our website will come up. But also, you can you can log into um, uh, bvcognet.org. And that'll give you a little bit of a background and a primer on our uh, fiber network. Great, great. And of course, our listeners can always go to the MICTA website, mictatech.org, where they will find more information uh, available there. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in today. And we hope you find this information helpful. 
and we hope you continue to keep updating yourself on current technology trends. And be sure to come back again for more MICTA Radio episodes. Bye for now. Thank you.